I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually from Play On Radio. Welcome to Footy Actually, the weekly footy podcast that is alternative listening for diehard fans. I am the footy fan, Rana Hussein, your host, and with me is the double caffeinated Gemma Bastiani, AFL analyst. She's drinking both coffee and Pepsi. She's going to be buzzing this whole episode. Pepsi Max, to be precise. Someone said yesterday that I should try to get a Pepsi Max sponsorship. Because as someone who doesn't drink alcohol, it's my substitute for everything. You would know about that. I so know about that. Coffee, I mean, just hook it to my veins. (laughs) I drink way too much coffee. But not really because I drink really milky coffee. So it's not, it doesn't really count. Yeah, exactly. Gemma's (laughs) drinking out of a large jar of very milky coffee. I feel straw. like people have this perception of me now of this weird, like, inner North hipster thing. <laughs> yes, and, and they would be correct. Really? I, <laughs> I don't see myself You're not. That you're way. really not. No. You're not. <laughs> I'm too into sport to be an inner North hipster. <laughs> no, I think that's... You've got the signposts of an inner North hipster. Like, you've got the look. Like, living the in the inner North... <laughs> Uh, yeah those two things (laughs) and you've got the kind of alternative interests of an inner north hipster uh and then you just weirdly love football yeah I'm too much of a nerd yeah I'm okay we love it we love you as you are thank you uh let's stop talking about ourselves because (laughs) there is an amazing round of footy that we need to talk about. What a weekend. Did you just absolutely love Saturday? It was glorious. Like, even Friday night. It was so fun. Like, I think a lot of us maybe are in the same boat where we've been in lockdown and, and you know, with no real end in sight right now, everything felt a bit bleak. Football wasn't maybe as fun to watch the past few weeks because everything just kind of felt dampened. Um, But then this weekend came came and Friday night happened, which was a dramatic end of game win by Port. And then um, Saturday was just wild, completely wild. And and outside of the Swans win, which obviously uh, was of my interest in terms of the bigger margin, all the other games had these really intense ends to them and they had so much bearing on the future of football as well, whether it's finals or players retiring or coaches moving on. So there was so much to like about it. It kind of reinvigorated my love of football this weekend. What about you? Yeah, I think it did that for a, for a lot of people. I was really dragging my feet into this round. I was I could be quoted as saying wake me up when finals are on um (laughs) and this round just kind of went all right let let me show you let me just remind you why you love me um because I'm not gonna lie post olympics yeah I've been really down on AFL 
and I kind of missed, I've been missing the Olympics, but yes, this weekend was so much fun. And I have to, of course, I can't go past the D's <laughs> and that amazing win, which we'll probably get to at some point today. But um, absolutely, we'll get to that. <laughs> I, I, I desperately needed a fun day of watching footy because I was really low this weekend and oh, it just, it was delightful. It was, it was so like good. going to the fuel petrol station and filling, filling back up, wasn't it? Yes. And I, I remember thinking, I really feel sorry for people who aren't into footy right now because <laughs> this is so good. Yeah. And, and it was, the, the thing was, it was, all games until Sunday, probably, and not to be rude, but Sunday was far less exciting than Friday and Saturday were um, for a myriad of reasons. But the, the fact that almost every single game across Friday and Saturday had a different reason as to why it was exciting, that was the thing. Like the Richmond Hawthorne game, that had no bearing on finals. But the fact that it ended the way that it did, Dramatic, incredible. The fact that it was Sean Burgoyne with his hand on the ball when the draw was um, kind of that, that happened. And, you know, all those different things happened in what, like Buddy kicking six and, and kind of bringing that thousand that bit closer. Every single game had something different to draw you in by. Absolutely. And I think it was also just super emotional because we were farewelling a whole bunch of people um, and, there was some real heavy hitters we had to say goodbye to, which I frankly wasn't, I thought I was ready and then it came and I wasn't ready at all. And I was really, really flat about it. Um, we're going to talk about that right now, actually, because there was some massive, massive farewells, Gemma. There were. And uh, people that uh, universally loved as well, I think, that's why it hits a bit harder this year, combined with the fact that these people had to bow out in front of no one as well. Um, not even their families could be there for a lot of them. They're people who, whether you go for that club or not, you respect them and enjoy watching them play. And so we're going to talk about our favourite memory of some of these retiring players, aren't we? Yes, tell me. You've got a beautiful memory, which is also one of my personal faves. <laughs> So I was going to talk about Sean Burgoyne and a moment I had at an AFLW match, um, seeing him there, obviously, with his wife and kids supporting the Crows because Aaron Phillips is in the family and all that sort of stuff because I loved seeing the support. He could very easily have not gone to those, not gone to those games, not supported the women's program, and his wife and their children could have gone and done that. But no, he rocks up in his hoodie in the rain, sits in the rain and watches them. But the one that I did choose... Uh, was the Eddie Batson Sydney stack moment from, was it two years ago? Yeah, two years. So obviously Sydney stack has looked up to Eddie Betts for his childhood as a strong indigenous player with an incredible amount of skill, but also um, the willingness to uh, teach people about his culture and also uh, become a mentor to younger indigenous players and, and that's kind of the overarching sentiment of what Eddie Betts leaves behind. Um, the fact that when they were playing against Richmond, Sydney Stack was in his first year and he was kind of spending a lot of time on Eddie Betts and Eddie kicked a wild goal from the pocket, still playing for Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. And he just turned to Sydney Stack and kind of laughed and looked at him and they hugged. And it was just this such a beautiful moment of like, see, this is, you still got a long way to go. But the fact that opposition players could come together in that moment and enjoy it together, whether that meant one team was behind or ahead, it didn't matter. And even though uh, the commentators in that moment and the media uh, commentary around it following it was really surprisingly negative, that vision is so beautiful and I think important because, yes, you play footy to win. Yes, you play footy to achieve things but also that camaraderie you have with other players is huge because they're going through a lot of the same stuff you are and the fact that you know that you're a mentor to this younger person whether they're on your team or not is so important and then to be able to just share that moment was really beautiful. Yeah I, from memory I think Sydney Stack had been on Eddie saying 
just kind of nagging him saying not today Eddie not today you're not yeah. gonna rip out one of your amazing goals and then he did and so they had a bit of a laugh and it was so beautiful and I think that the other thing that was missed in that moment from all the commentary that surrounded it was that and what that moment highlighted was the solidarity between the Indigenous players across the league and how much yes you play for your teams but that it is a very separate and different experience or it can be and that there is this shared brotherhood um which was really nice and and we those of us who are on the outer sort of seem to get that in the moment instantly and weirdly i wonder why um, <laughs> a lot of commentators didn't seem to and just thought that was so uncalled for but i also loved it i'd forgotten about that thank you so much for reminding me it was beautiful it should be replayed everywhere all the time <laughs> what about you rana you've got you've got a a really obscure one written down and I say obscure (laughs) because I assume it's something that has happened to you personally and not something that was ever broadcast yes so of course I need to talk about Basha um so part of me is like oh I don't really want to because I feel like I've talked about him a lot and enough already but um and I've been anticipating his retirement for since I got to the club to be honest he's been on one year contracts Um, which I know has been really hard for him, um, but that's just the way it goes. And I thought, you know, when this happened, I thought, yeah, I was sort of like, okay, yeah, I was ready for this. But then it hit me and the weight of the moment. And I, you know, I'm really bummed that he didn't get as much of the conversation as I think he should, because I think we'll look back on this time that he was part of this game and think wow that was a real moment he was a real leader um and I you know I was on Twitter about it you know the the legacy that he's left for a lot of Muslims in this country the the way that he's gone about teaching others about our religion uh and that he was a way in for me um literally because I entered I was hired at the Richmond Footy Club via the Bashahuli Employment Program. Um, and also that, you know, him getting drafted was the first time that I thought, oh, okay, yeah, like we can be part of this too. We're not just on the outer. And if he's in there, that means I could maybe be in there too. So all of that is very, very real um, and poignant. But when you ask me about my memories of Basha, there's two that really come to mind. First is that when he was young and about to be drafted and then played for Essendon, he was a not as religious and he will hate me for bringing this up, but I don't think he's listening. Um, he wasn't as religious. He was the... Um, what's the word he was the most eligible bachelor in the muslim community (laughs) every girl had a crush on him (laughs) every girl suddenly like he was the migrant girls muslim girls dream like a migrant muslim boy from a migrant family who can play footy (laughs) was like oh my god who is gonna get this guy he obviously went on to marry the wonderful um, Ruba. But there was a moment in time where he was just everything to all of us. <laughs> and I was working at an Islamic school and he came for a visit as a SNM player and he got absolutely mobbed <laughs> by the students. It was like the Beatles were in town. Like it was just <laughs> mayhem and the women who worked at the school were following him around just as much as the kids were. Um, and you think about Basha Hawley now as a, <laughs> a pin-up boy and it doesn't quite fit, but <laughs> back then he was. So that was one memory. And if you'll allow me, one more. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> community camp, I want to say 2019 or maybe 2020, just before COVID hit. Um, 
we were in some rural town and myself, the video, the club videographer and Basha had to do a community visit. Um, so we did the visit and the rest of the boys were at some other community event. So it was just me, Basha and our digital guy. And we finished the night early and Basha was like, all right, cool, let's go get some dinner. And so we were trying to find like a nice restaurant or cafe. And he's like, no, 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 I've got it sorted. And the thing about Basher is he knows everyone. He'll, he'll, doesn't matter where he is, he'll know, have a connection <laughs> somehow. Some, some cousin or family friend or relative. We go down the main drag and he walks into this fish and chip shop and it's a guy <laughs> from his village back home that he knows. And we, he, like, I cannot even explain to you the way we were looked after that evening. We uh, like the amount of food that was served to us just because Basha, it was Basha Hawley. It was like mountains of fish and chips. Every single thing on the menu just got brought out one after the other. <laughs> and it was just the three of us eating this amazing dinner and just shooting the breeze. And I just thought, oh, I'm, I'm so lucky. This is kind of cool. <laughs> So fish and chips, loves his fish and chips. Basha, fish and chips are my memory. <laughs> Lasting memory. And Matt Collada at Richmond Footy Club can vouch for me. It was, I have a picture somewhere. It was just ridiculous. I think I ate maybe five chips and was full. And then there's just plates and plates of food. Anyway, you've got something else you want to talk about that isn't, player related but aflw expansion related yeah so since we last had an episode because we've gone uh fortnightly for the remainder of the year uh the aflw expansion uh final round of expansion has been confirmed uh in which means the four remaining sides so Essendon, Hawthorne, Port Adelaide and Sydney will be joining the competition for the 2022-23 season. So season seven of the AFLW. Um, Yeah. And it's just so exciting. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm really happy about it, obviously. Um, The feeling the day that it was announced was so good. Um, Just the enthusiasm that... Uh, the people within my bubble had so you know you do get subjected to some of those people that are quite negative but generally it was just happiness people were either really excited to see their club join the competition or they were just excited that it felt like a really big step toward what can then become a professional competition because a fully professional competition I should say because the kind of caveat on professionalization of this league has always been, well, you can't do it unless every club's there. There are all these kind of hurdles in place before it can get to that place. And I understand it can't be there immediately, but what we want to see are steps toward it. And this is the biggest step toward it that we have seen. And the fact that my swans are going to be in this competition is just everything really. Uh so good it's such a feel-good moment I didn't think I'd be as happy or excited I thought I'd be a bit like oh yeah cool like it's someone else's joy but I was really really happy like it just genuinely made me go I think it's just the legitimacy around the competition like it just upped the ante a little bit um and we're just well and truly on our way to that kind of land that we all want to get to where this is a bona fide competition and um, it's taken really seriously. So such good news. Well, I think the thing is as well is that um, I, I, I assume people know this, but whether there's an AFLW season or trade period or draft happening or not at, at the moment in time, I'm still fully in AFLW world because I use the off season to update my databases, make sure that um, my knowledge is up to scratch, make sure I'm still kind of covering it in a way that can keep it at the front of people's minds. So I'm still always in that world, but this 
felt like everyone was back in on on board that train with me for a day as well is that everyone yeah. was thinking about that again and um it, it was really exciting and then it also is a lead up to a pre-season pre that begins in a week's time as well so we're that much closer to another season we're that much closer to all these things and you know COVID willing we're on our way to you know seeing these women play again which I've really been missing I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right. Well, that was way too much joy. This podcast is not used to it. So, <laughs> whose socks are you pulling up this week, Gemma? Okay. So, everyone always assumes that when I say this, it comes from a place of bitterness and not from a place of <laughs> rational thought. So, I feel like I need what? to make that ca Never. <laughs> caveat. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Luke Beveridge's coaching and I never have <gasps> been. And I know he's the one that ever, everyone loves him and he can't do anything wrong and all this sort of stuff, but I've never that, been that much of a fan because especially in 2016, um, again, this is why it, it makes it seem like I'm bitter. <laughs> but I will say I, it's, a bit, it's, it's just a touch getting to the bitter place, but no, no, no. I'll give you a safe space. Say what you need to. <laughs> Observing the way he coached that year, and obviously it was a very successful year. Um, they were a really good side that year. They broke records coming from outside the top four to win the flag, all that sort of stuff. But it very much felt like the magnets were just being thrown around and things just got a little bit lucky, fell the right way, and they got the job done. And premierships require luck as well as talent to happen. And since then, they've never really been able to replicate that. But it still feels like magnets just get thrown around and in the hope that maybe you'll catch an opposition off guard um, because they don't know what to expect of you or this player might just be a really good utility and you're just going to use him in every single way possible. I think it's going to be their undoing this year. And we saw the midfield output drop away pretty significantly in the last little bit of this season, especially against Port as well, where effectively, if you want to beat Port, you just have to stop them being able to score from stoppages. And you would have thought on paper, the names that the Western Bulldogs have in that midfield should be able to stop the names that Port have in that midfield because they run deeper. But the way they were being played, especially Dunkley, who's a first-class midfielder in any team, it didn't lend itself to them being played as effectively as you would have thought. And Port eventually got the win off the back of it as well. I know it was a close win, but I don't know that I have... If I were a dog supporter, I don't know that I would have faith in enough consistency or the right decisions being made about that Western Bulldogs team coming into finals. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they've really clicked into place at all uh and I'm often basically yeah <laughs> I mean I have joked with friends about the fact that they've ended up fifth and the the bombers have ended up eighth so they face off and we all know that Essendon have this very long streak of not winning finals since 2004 <laughs> and the dogs happened to land just in that position to go up against Essendon. And I just, 
think of the drama if Essendon were to break that streak against the Western Bulldogs and knocking them out of finals when they've been sitting in the top two all season. Like, think of the drama behind that result. Oh, that is exactly what I'm hoping for. I really (laughs) want to see Essendon win that game. Like, irrationally want them to win that game. (laughs) I don't really know why. It's kind of at that point where you just feel a bit sorry for them. I just had an epiphany that I should have already had by now. (laughs) You know how football, basically, you watch it and you go by stats or what you see Mm. I realized I go by feels so dependent on how I feel about a team I'll like I'll back them so (laughs) like whether you like them or not or how you feel when you watch them play probably bit of both so like Essendon I think I go for the story if nothing else. So you're a true journalist. I I think I am. (laughs) (laughs) But I really, like, I want Essendon to win. I think it's a great story. And now I'm very, very passionate about them winning this first final. And then after that, I can get knocked out. (laughs) (laughs) I can't go too far this year. (laughs) We'll get to finals a bit later, but it seems like you're telling yourself to pull your socks up. Yes, I am telling myself to pull my socks up, even just for that comment as well. (laughs) Oh, look, I just need to really brush up. And to be honest, it happens every season. You'd think I'd learn by now, but I need to brush up on my math skills because I could not follow the live ladder properly. Like, I thank God for the live ladder because it was doing my head in in that Brisbane West Coast game. I was so confused as to what needed to happen. And then even on Sunday, I sat down to watch Essendon Collingwood thinking that Essendon needed to win the game to get <laughs> into finals. And then halfway through went, oh, no, it's all done. <laughs> I don't need to watch this. <laughs> Um, so I need to brush up on my math skills but it happens every season finals confuse me and percentages confuse me and I have to ask you I'm surprised you didn't get a text message from me saying yeah why didn't you message me I'm happy to I did ask others I love maths maths is so fun Oh God, this is where we part ways. Anyway, I'm pulling my socks up. I'm <laughs> going to be one on... place that we part ways. <laughs> yes. Otherwise we're identical. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, look, by next season, I'll have a handle on it all. Do you say uh, that every year? Whole... <laughs> I, I genuinely do. <laughs> I look at the end of the season and I think, how does everybody understand what's going on with me? <laughs> I'm missing a part of my brain. That's the bottom line. Let's move on from my shortcomings um, to my favourite segment, The Presser, where we ask questions we would love to ask if we were in the press conference. You have got in bold Nicole Livingston, and I'm dying to know what your question for her is. So off the back of the press conference about the expansion announcement which devolved into talking about men's football more than it did women's uh which was a whole thing and it was uh, frustrating not surprising but also showed us the value of proper representation in the media i would like to ask nicole livingston a few things the first one being with another season, uh, AFLW season on the horizon that looks like vaccinations or not will somehow be COVID affected. What are your contingency plans that you're preparing now? Because you have time to prepare them this season. Um, You have an awareness of where things are at, what borders look like, which state governments look like they'll budge and which ones won't, which states are vaccinating at a higher rate. Um, all those sorts of things. I would love to know what contingencies they're preparing now so they're not going by the seat of their pants when the season comes. 
I would also love to hear about plans for elongating the season after this CBA is finished, which ends this season. So this is the last season that was outlined in that um, CBA in terms of length. So I believe we're having a 10 round home and away season and three weeks of finals. So what's the plan after that? Because we're going to have 18 teams. You can't have another 10 round home and away season. I'd love to ask um, with the season, hopefully being extended. Does that mean it just starts earlier and earlier so that the end date remains the same? I'd love to ask that because that hasn't been raised anywhere. Um, There are so many things I'd like to ask, but they're the three things that are in my head right now in terms of logistically, surely these things have been been thought of, planned ahead um, and considered ahead of time because we have hundreds of women preparing themselves as of next week. Well, they have been preparing themselves all year, but officially preparing themselves with a preseason as of next week um who who is making the decisions to support those women in terms of what their competition looks like it they are just such good questions and what's staggering to me in all of that first of all those plans surely i think i mean they, they probably are in place but that we haven't even heard about them that we don't know anything that Frankly, we saw more of Nicole Livingston, don't you think, in the Olympics broadcast and conversation than we ever have of her around AFLW. Like that really bothered me. And it's the question that we've always had with AFLW is what are the plans? Like what do you have in store for us? And their reluctance to talk to plans time and time again do make you feel like they don't have any and that they are just waiting for chips to fall and then they'll work it out on the hop. It just, surely that isn't the case, but certainly feels that way. So God, I would love to see you ask those questions because I actually genuinely want answers to those. And I don't, I, I, I'm not coming from a place of malice. I just genuinely want to know because it's something that I'm invested in, something that I'm interested in, something that I'm basing my career around. So even uh, I, I can't, I, I feel frustrated not being able to plan far ahead. So I can't imagine how the players and coaches feel. To be fair, like I think with every single sport at the moment or event, live event, it is just constantly moving. So I do understand maybe a reluctance to even announce anything. Yeah. Um, but there are some of those questions I think are worth poking around for because there'd be some plans in place, some, you know, plan A, B, whatever. It would be nice to hear what their thoughts are around that, mm. especially the CBA conversation. I'm dying to hear the answer to that. Well, remember last time it was negotiated, it delayed the start of preseason. And if a preseason next year is starting in September or potentially earlier, that CBA needs to be done as soon as the first the season finishes in March because Completely. it can't be delayed. If you're starting your season in December or late November, that CBA needs to be done. Ooh. Well, I have a very different question for a yes. de- very different person. I'm very curious about this. <laughs> I would like to ask Alistair Clarkson if he has heard about the coronavirus. <laughs> and as that there soon is a, as you said that, I knew what you were going to say. <laughs> that there is a global pandemic. That means we aren't going anywhere or doing anything. And so I genuinely just out of concern for him that maybe he hasn't noticed and he should rethink his plans. <laughs> this is it killed thing. me. It killed me, Gemma. <laughs> And I saw that he'd said that he was planning to go traveling and explore the world. But this is the thing. Alistair Clarkson, he knows what he's saying. Every single press conference, he, and last year he was masterful at it in terms of uh, deflecting the, the focus away from him and how Hawthorne was performing and onto other things. And the Tom Papley one is the most obvious example of that. But remind us what happened, Gemma. 
oh, he said that Tom Papley was a diver in a press conference. And then John Longmire got asked about it in his press conference directly after. And he was extremely unhappy about it. So he's, he's an expert at this. So it wouldn't surprise me if he did that just to see what people would do. Because it's hilarious. It's completely hilarious. Uh, you're so right. He's smart enough to know better. So. <laughs> It just killed me. Um, Maybe his version of traveling is heading up to the Gold Coast. Probably. I mean, I would love to know the answer to that, genuinely. (laughs) Um, Or to Carlton. It's pretty far from Hawthorne. Sure is, from Waverley (laughs) all the way to Carlton. I can't imagine Clarko on Ligon Street, but I feel like the Ligon Street crowd won't love him. Mm. As as a as an Italian, <laughs> Clarko doing in in his hotted <laughs> up Ferrari down Ligon Street. I'm just imagining him drinking some grappa as well, <laughs> just like with a nonno hat on. He would be. I reckon oh. he'd get along well with my nonno actually. Really? Do you yeah. reckon Clarko eats a lot of pasta? pasta yeah, surely. Pasta and pizza? But like. Basic Aussie pasta, I reckon. Yeah, he's not into the... uh, He's not eating anchovies, that's for sure. (laughs) It's like the Ken Hinckley thing uh, two years ago when they were last in China. Do you remember them interviewing him outside the hotel in China and them asking him about the food? He's like, no, I only eat meat and three veg. They have to prepare (laughs) that for me here too. (laughs) And he was dead serious. (laughs) Oh, I missed that. That's not good. But like, how boring is your life? <laughs> yeah, I always feel for people. I mean, no shade. Well, a little bit of shade. <laughs> I do always feel for people who can't eat exotic cuisine. But not even exotic. Meat and three veg is the most basic, blandest food you could possibly eat. <sighs> the, the idea of Alex, Alistair Clarkson... <laughs> Hanging out on Ligon Street has really tickled me. We need an <laughs> artist to draw that. Cal Rowe, can you draw that for us? We'll post it on our socials. Well, Gemma, you have a play on performer to discuss. I would love to hear all about him. Yeah, so again, caveat that... It's not who we deem was the best player on the weekend because clearly that was Jordan Dawson. No, it was Clayton Oliver. <laughs> or it was Trav Bo. Thank but- you. I was wondering when, when Clary would turn up in today's This can't just be an all-Melbourne podcast. Um, <laughs> who today it got announced that they have seven all-Australian squad members. Um, pretty good. Uh, Swans have four. Buddy Franklin has been... Uh, included in the squad for the 12th time most in history what a legend I was gonna mention it and then I decided not to because I knew you would at some point buddy we've always got to talk about buddy um and his adorable daughter walking around their accommodation in his footy boots the best uh if you haven't seen that go and check it out (laughs) but (laughs) yes but we're actually going to talk about... We're actually going to talk about uh, Daniel Rich uh, for Brisbane, obviously. Uh, there's a very... It's such a... Sorry. <laughs> such a, this is such a long run-up <laughs> to announce that we're going to talk about Daniel Rich. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, there was a moment in this game, and it was quite early in the game, that stood out to me and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I know that it probably makes me seem quite strange that this is something that I've focused on for a day and a half now. But I think we forget how important Daniel Rich is to Brisbane, how good a player he is. And yeah, he had a couple of years where he fell away a bit, but his value to Brisbane has skyrocketed, especially since Luke Hodges retired and being that player coming out of the back half, organising everyone and and the really long kick that he's able to provide. On the weekend, he was running out of defence, under pressure, 
and he uh, up up into the corridor and he did this handball that was the most perfect handball I've ever seen in my life and it set <laughs> you're laughing at me I know but it set up Brisbane for such a good damaging attack um at goal he popped it up high enough that it was able to escape uh the defense that was on him and it landed so perfectly in front of his teammate who was running at full pelt up through the corridor it was probably a four meter handball but the way he was able to loop it up and set up his teammate so well, who was then able to not break stride and, and run forward and attack. And I believe they got a goal from that play. It was just remarkable. And I think we forget how important he is because we talk about Lions. We talk about Joe Danaher being there. We talk about Dane mm. Zorko, Barry McCluggage, all those players. Daniel Rich is as valuable to that side as most of those other players are. He also had 29 disposals, 24 of which were kicks six marks he had 874 meters gained and he had eight inside 50s for the match so props to daniel rich well done young man (laughs) i know you're not that interested in the players that i choose but uh no no i was I, i was with you i totally was with you um and i do think he had a wonderful game because i watched this game and just the most beautiful hand mark I've ever seen made me laugh. So <laughs> I love it. I have yeah. nothing more to add. Oh, it's not even late. Um, no, it's the, quite early actually. It's quite early and I'm already very loopy. That's okay. We've got two segments left, three technically. But we're going to merge okay. two in the next one. All right. Well, that is enough for the 2021 AFL home and away season. Wow. I can't believe that's it. Yeah. It's it's very weird. It's very weird, but also it feels like it's been a really long season. Because we've been bloody stuck inside for the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. So let's move on then to finals. We're here again. I cannot believe it. Let's just... Look at each game because there's not that many of them. Week one of finals starts on Friday night. It will be Port Adelaide against Geelong at Adelaide Oval. I am very excited about this. Yeah. I'm excited about this finals. Let's just say that. I'm genuinely excited about finals this year. Heck yeah. And Is it because Melbourne's I'm so in thrilled. Them? Well, yes, obviously that that is. <laughs> one of the reasons but putting that aside it was just such a fun ride into finals who would make it who wouldn't came down to the wire pretty much it's just gonna be it's just and some new contenders it's really nice yeah very happy it's good okay so tell me your thoughts Port Adelaide versus Geelong this is the most excellent finals matchup we could have hoped for for these two teams I think um the idea well Geelong are kind of the perennial finals like achievers but failures at the same time if that makes sense like they're constantly there they're constantly in the top four but they very rarely get the job done for whatever reason that might be Mm. Whereas Port have been this team that for so long have teased people that they deserve to be there and haven't been able to do it. And then they fall away and then don't make it at all. And then they kind of come back. This is the first time since I want to say 2014 where they play that final against Hawthorne. Um, Mm. Maybe it was 2012. One of the years that Sydney played Hawthorne in the grand final. Um, it's the first time since then that they've genuinely looked like they can do some damage in finals. And six weeks ago, I was saying that they couldn't. And I admit that. Um, (laughs) But I think they've found a gear. I don't know that they can win the flag, but I think that they can knock some teams off on the way. And the idea of this uh, port forward line, even without Georgiades, who did his hamstring, kind of mm. making a mess of Geelong's defence, who have lost a, a bit of organisation without Tom Stewart there. 
I, lo- I would love to just watch that inside 50 arc the whole time. Like I would love to have behind the goals vision of that end of the ground, swapping each quarter and just seeing who chooses to do what when the ball's not in the area. And then when it is, what are the decisions made? Because I think that's going to be where the game is won and lost. I just want to see Aaliyah, Aaliyah slay. All Australian nomination as well. Oh, love him. Yeah. I love that picture of him. That's from this how, season, isn't it? How good is it? It has to be. It's Port. He's in a Port Guernsey. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's all melding into one. Oh, it is the most beautiful picture. It's so powerful. Of, yes. I th- If you don't know what we're talking about, how dare you? But also... <laughs> Just shame our audience. (laughs) (laughs) A beautiful picture. I assume it's Michael Wilson that took it. It was him or Dylan Burns. It was one of the two. Uh, Of Aaliyah, Aaliyah. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just him on a footy field, but he's just kind of standing. It's from a low angle. It looks like he might be walking off the field and it's a dark sky and he just, like, his shoulders are so broad. He just looks really powerful in that moment. It's just a really beautiful photo. Stunning. I actually just want that picture on my wall or something. Anyway, enough of that. <laughs> Who are you tipping for that one? Great question. I am tipping Geelong. Mm, but, okay. God, I want Port Adelaide to win that. I'm tipping Port because I think the Jonas... Hawkins matchup is going to be aided so much by the way Alir is playing that they'll be able to nullify that a bit um, to the point where they can control the game a bit better. Mm, great point, Gemma. Moving on, the next final is an elimination final on Saturday at 320 Utah Stadium, your Sydney Swans versus GWS, a Sydney showdown. Of course, that happens in finals. Of course, that's how it's, <laughs> it's all kind panned of brilliant. out. It's amazing. I love it. I mean, it. the only thing the AFL hates about this is the fact they can't sell it out in Sydney. Yeah, it oh. is a shame. It would have been amazing. The Swans have never beaten the Giants in a final. They've played each other twice in finals, and the Giants have won both times. Um. I think I feel like the Giants absolutely deserve to be in finals and they've done really well to get themselves kind of back up off the map in a way. Um, mm. And they are in some good form. They've got some players that are absolutely coming right at the right time of the year. I think if the Swans can get Chad Warner into the side, even with Mills uh, and Kennedy out, I think they're in, the Swans are in with a chance. I think it's going to be an incredibly close, intense game, though. And how will you be feeling? Not great. <laughs> I'll be honest. Not great. Um, I I think Sydney will win this. See, most non-Sydney supporters just reckon it's a Sydney tick in the book. Sydney supporters are scarred <laughs> and are not confident at all. Okay, let me say this. I think if Sydney come with their best game... Yeah. That can easily win this. Yeah. So the two games between these sides we've seen this year, the first one was while I was driving back from Adelaide on AFLW Grand (laughs) Final Day. Swans led for most of the game and then late Josh Kelly kicked that freak goal uh, from a forward Mm. stoppage and won it by two points, I want to say. And then the second matchup was the day that Callum Mills, Harry Cunningham both got pulled from the side really late. So did Toby Green. Um, and they had to kind of, with 10 minutes to go, swap the team around and stuff. And the Giants yeah. got out to a 30-point lead, I think, at quarter time or halfway through the second quarter. And the Swans pegged it back to win by a fairly significant margin. So we've seen the games between them swing fairly dramatically within game. I think the, the least comfortable position you'd want to be in in a game between these two sides is ahead at quarter time. All right. Enough said. Yeah, <laughs> go Swans, go buddy. Are you tipping the Swans? Yeah, I'm going to tip the Swans because um, 
they have the track record to back them. Perfect. <laughs> Moving on to another qualifying final against the Demons versus Brisbane Lions, 7 o'clock on Saturday night at Adelaide Oval. How are you feeling about this one, Rana? <laughs> I am so nervous. I have no faith in my team, which I think is on brand. And that is like, I can't have faith. The moment I have faith, they lose. So it's just, I'm just going to go with. So you're tipping Brisbane. No, I'm not. Oh, I don't want to tip. It. I just, I'm very worried. But you got the double chance. Worried. Yes, we do have the double chance. So I, I, ugh, I can't. I'm scared and I'm nervous. And I will feel sick. And but I'm very tipping. excited. you got to make a call here. Who are you tipping? Do I have to? You absolutely I have will... to make a call. Oh, okay. I think I'm tipping Melbourne. It's written down. I really hope the three <laughs> gods didn't hear that. <laughs> Melbourne should win this game. Let's be honest. Because Melbourne... They're not like other teams that have been caught out by the speed through the middle of the ground that Brisbane can offer because Melbourne have powerful mids that can break away from stoppage. They, they have that different sort of balance. It's not pure speed. It's the power to break out of congestion. So they're two different kinds of speed going up against each other in that midfield. But then you've got to look at the, the dominance that Max Gorn can provide. I know Oscar McInerney, He's a very good player, but I think Max Gorn absolutely has that contest in his favour. And then there's X-Factor players like um, Clayton Oliver and and Christian Petrarca and then a few of the other All-Australian nominees. So the Stephen May-Jake Lever combination in defence is so powerful and hard to stop. The way Brisbane go forward at times really leaves a lot to be desired. So I think they've got that in their favour. It's their forward line that I still worry about. And not so much because of who the forwards are. I worry about Melbourne's delivery forward. Because that was the thing, I swear to God, that was the thing on Saturday that um, was frustrating. Going from watching the the Swans game where they've got a game style based on precision kicking around the ground and then delivery into the forward line. And Melbourne's kicking in the first three quarters of that game on Saturday night was woeful. Like, it was so poor. And I think I messaged someone that Melbourne are the most talented, dumb team in the competition. So they've got incredible (laughs) talent. And they they are talented players who are very good footballers. But more than any other very good side, they make such terrible decisions yeah, And it just gets them undone and then it takes them a quarter to work out like the quarter time break or the halftime break to work out, okay, we need to get back on the horse and kind of group themselves back together again. I don't see them. Which, which has been fine and credit to them this year that they have been able to come back and have that belief to course correct. But in finals, I don't trust that. It's just that. The tension, you can't give away leads like that, I don't think. No, but I'm still going to back Melbourne in here. <sighs> I think they have more X factor than Brisbane. All right. Well, I can't keep talking about it because it's stressing <laughs> me out. So I'm glad to hear it. Let's move on. We shall see. Last game of the weekend is an elimination final. Western Bulldogs versus Bombers, 3.20 at Utah Stadium as well. I think that the Western Bulldogs will get over the line here, but I don't want them to. (laughs) I said it. (laughs) Well, we've got to go back to the conversation we had earlier about the Western Bulldogs midfield not firing the way that it, it should um, think about how Essendon have solved a lot of their problems this year. They they've been shaky 
a little bit and then they sorted it out in terms of the midfield balance. And we talked probably three months ago about too much being heaped on Darcy Parrish's shoulders. Um, they need to balance that out a bit more if they're going to be challenging. And they absolutely did that. And we had that conversation. I think that, you know, Jake Stringer, who we don't like to praise that often, but his addition into the midfield, the way he's been playing recently, I think can be really damaging against um, mm. the Western Bulldogs. And the idea of a head-to-head matchup between him and Liberatore is a fascinating one. Um, but then you add on the fact that you'd probably class the dog's defensive line as the weakest line on their team. And the way the Bombers have been scoring and who the scores have been coming from, uh, I think that they have a real shot at upsetting this one here. You can't underestimate momentum too when it comes to finals. Essendon have it. Melbourne has it. Sydney has Sydney it. Sydney has it. Port has it. Port Adelaide has it. Oh. God, that they're all the teams it. that I've picked. They're not the teams you've picked. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've been at all the teams I want to see win. <laughs> Let's see how we go. Hey, I am excited. I wish it was Friday already. Yeah, because then wait. I wouldn't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move this along. Let's get to some listener questions before we wrap this thing up. Gemma. Yes. What do you think? of the bye week being eliminated. So. Wait, wait, let me say that again. Go for it. First question to you, Gemma, is what do you think of the bye week being eliminated? Normally, I'm of the opinion that the bye week shouldn't exist because in 2016, it scarred me for life when it first came in. Um, (laughs) But this year... When Josh Kennedy and Callum Mills could absolutely use a week off and come back, I would love for it to still be there. But I respect the fact that the AFL is planning ahead. Something that they try to do in the men's game that we haven't seen them do in the women's game. Um, That was a bit of a drive-by, sorry. But uh, I like the (laughs) idea of them planning ahead in anticipation of a potential um, quarantine situation or some sort of interruption later in the final series. So um, I don't hate it. I kind of wish that they would remove it permanently, Um, but I don't see Mm. that happening. What about you? No. Yeah, I like it for all, for the reason that it's there for, which is that, you know, to give that buffer. Um, But I like it in general. I think we should always roll just straight into finals. Because you kind of, you build yourself up and then you have to wait a week without it. It's a weird lull. Yeah. Yeah. And it's no good for anyone, especially... It's actually disincentive for the teams that finish on top, I think. So, yeah, I'm good with it. We have one other question today, and it's specifically for you. (laughs) Rana. Yes. How good is Big Maxi? Oh, You literally blushed when I said that. You're so happy about that. He's so good. (laughs) He is. I said this that night that if ever like Max Gorner's captain has been great but you never fully sold on it but I feel like that was the moment that he stood up and said no I'm the captain I've got this you guys relax and just to see his team get around him what more could you want going into a final season uh the joy the pure joy on their faces was so amazing I just I know it's my team but I I feel like even if they weren't that would have still made me so happy they're not my team and that celebration was amazing oh I'm not a Max I'm not a fan of Max Gorn's kicking (laughs) I don't even think Max Gorn is a fan of Max Gorn yeah I was (laughs) shitting myself and oh the satisfaction of him getting that was so good. Well, it was redemption, wasn't it? After the one a couple of years ago. It was just yeah, so was. beautifully scripted. Again, it's 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 rooting for the story. Definitely. I, I think for me, Essendon, after everything they've been through, making finals is an amazing story. Melbourne is an amazing story. And 
I loved Christian Christian Petrarca after the game talking to the media saying a year ago people were asking for our coach to be sacked and look at him now and I just thought that that was so beautiful and the emotion coming from him just showed you how much it means to them which has been something that people have questioned about the Melbourne Footy Club and the players that it they take it a little bit too easy and they don't really care so to see that was so nice. I love the fact that he showed he cared and like the the tears was a big thing and it was a really good interview as well that was the thing it was a really compelling interview and that's something you very rarely get post game the other thing was a year ago we saw Melbourne sing the song without their captain in the room because they'd forgotten that he wasn't there and what we saw on Saturday night was Max Gorn standing there making sure that Ben Brown had come in after doing a media interview before they came together to sing the song. So you're seeing little things change culturally that might seem like so insignificant to people, but that stuff is actually really important. Making sure that everyone gets to take the credit and everyone is involved when you do something good is just as important as finding the right people to blame when something doesn't go so well. And this was another Absolutely. thing. Sorry to make it about the swans again. Sorry, but I <laughs> did mean to mention this earlier was the way, the way that um, it, it's round 23. The swans have been away from Sydney for eight weeks now or something, something quite a long time for them to sing the song with a big zoom screen um, with an open circle with all of their Sydney based staff on that zoom call to sing the song with I think was just it's just such a nice touch because can you imagine being a staff member at a club where the team isn't even playing near you you're still having to do the bulk of your work from home disconnected yes, Gemma, from the I can't imagine yeah this is the thing <laughs> they're disconnected from the good part of the footy right so to make sure you're including them in that as they go come back into finals after two years out that's such an important small touch. It takes five minutes to organize and look at the impact that would have had. It's, and, it is honestly what makes great clubs. I and think. I'm sure it's, those aren't the only two clubs that are doing stuff like that. They're just the ones that we saw on screen on the weekend absolutely. as well. Sorry. The other story for me, just quickly in all of this, and you don't have to be a demon supporter to enjoy it, is Ben Brown. And I, you just, you have to be happy for that man. I love uh, him so much. I mean, same, but like it just, what they went through last year as a family, but also, you know, leaving North Melbourne, just he's had a tough time and it's so nice. The smile on his face on Saturday night was beautiful. I just... <laughs> can't stop laughing at the fact that this year started with um, me, Lucy Race and him standing nervously <laughs> watching the Melbourne women's side play in a fight an elimination final against Fremantle and that being screen capped and posted everywhere to now him having <laughs> found his place in that side and yeah. then making finals as well. And it's just so fun. And I'm really happy for them because he's the best man in football. Well, there is no better note to end on than that. So I will bid you adieu. But before I do, where can people find you, me and us? I am at JL Bassiani on Twitter. And also please go and check out Siren underscore sport on Twitter or sirensport.com.au because we have a flipping huge announcement coming this week and it should be happening the day that this podcast comes out. So I hope that that doesn't change and I look like a fool. But there's a very, very big announcement. So please go and follow Siren because uh, I'm really proud of what we've been able to achieve. And um, this is a culmination of a lot of hard work. So please go and support there. What about you? Oh, just echo that. Support the Siren. I am <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rana Hus on Twitter. Uh, you can say hello to me there. And Chevin's <laughs> waving to me. And, of course, um, at the Outer Sanctum. Yes, who's back, which is why we're back to fortnightly. I should have mentioned that. 
<laughs> we back, baby. Uh, yes. Um, unfortunately, my time is limited. Anyway, that's enough of that. We will go and watch finals for the next fortnight and come back and talk about Prelims. I don't know what. Prelims. <laughs> I feel I feel a bit bad, Skip. We should come back next week, shouldn't we? If if people want us to come back, they should tweet at us. Uh, if they want a, us to be here weekly during finals, tweet at us. If you don't, we'll just do fortnightly. All right. Leave it in Leave the hands it to of the, the people. people. <laughs> yeah. We are for the people, of course. I love it. All right, Gemma. It's it's the wheels are falling off. It's time to go. <laughs> Who needs love when you've got footy, actually? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.